Hello, there. Is it on? I can't tell from here. Okay. Good morning. All right. I don't know that we can uh, put this on the screen, but if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 7, still in the Beatitudes towards the end. But let me read to you about three or four verses which I want to elaborate on. <clears throat> this is subtitled in my New International Version, A Tree and Its Fruit. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but for bad tree, bad but from a bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you would complete your word with understanding today. Father, so I just pray that our ears be open, our eyes be open, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we thank you in Jesus' name. So I want to talk a little bit about truth for several minutes and then get into the idea of true and false teaching or prophecy. Of which there's plenty out there. And uh, the more you learn about what truth is, the more able you are to label and to identify falseness, lying, when it comes to you. How many, how many of you like to be lied to? Anybody here? George, the only one that likes to be lied to. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll all pray for him after the service. Too. <laughs> yeah, but those, those cost extra at the store. Okay, think about, when you think about false, something false, <clears throat> how many of you have ever heard of a false $3 bill? Okay, a, counter, a counterfeiter would be pretty stupid to counterfeit a $3 bill. What is that? What is that? That would tell you that uh, it's counterfeit because we don't have any real $3 bills. The only counterfeit bills are true ones. So if there are false prophets and false teaching in the world, that means there are true ones somewhere. Okay. So, so let's uh, talk a little bit about truth and falseness. Uh, let me define truth according to Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology book, which is a textbook I loved for years. God's truthfulness refers to him as the one true God, and that all his knowledge and words are both true and the final standard of truth. God doesn't just speak truth. God is truth. He's, excuse me, let me start over with that. God doesn't just speak truth. The words he speaks are truth because he speaks them. Think about that. All right? Things are true that God does because he's God. So we want to know what truth is. Truth is what God says truth is. Okay, so <clears throat> you can find the, in the Bible the largest collection of truth all in one place. Does that mean that there are things that we might call true out in the world that aren't in <coughs> that aren't in the Bible, such as the truth about uh, you know the animals in the deep sea, or truth about uh, astronomy, or something like this? You know, there's true things, but as far as the truth that the Bible is speaking of is what God has to say to us as human beings and about His work in us. So His word is truth, and we can and should rely on it. Paul. In Romans 9, 1 says, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So God's word that Paul was writing, he wants everybody to know, is truth. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Speaking of false teachers, Paul says also to the Romans, they, that's the false teachers he's referring to, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and served created things rather than the creator. Right? That's one of the earmarks of a false teaching or a false prophet. It negates what God says and replaces it with something else that it calls truth, but it's actually a lie. Well, how do we learn to tell the difference? It's hard. 
finding truth has been an age-old problem for different cultures. Uh, it's interesting that when Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Okay. So all kinds of people, all levels of life and society want to know what truth is because we want to base our life on things that are right, things that are true, that won't fail. So defining truth, truth has been an age-old difficult question. Is there a difference from, uh, between biblical truth and scientific truth? Are there varying degrees of truth? Is truth <coughs> consistent for all ages, races, and nationalities? Is there such a thing as absolute truths? What was true 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 years ago? What's true for all countries and all men everywhere? We want to know what truth is, because sooner or later we will bank our lives on what truth is what we believe to be truth. For our purposes, we're talking about God's truth is the words that he says about himself, about us, and his works upon mankind. In John 17, Jesus, when he's praying to the Father, says, your word is truth. Right? So God's word is truth. John 14, 16, Jesus says, <clears throat> I am the way, the what? truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me wow that says a lot right there that means that no other form of salvation other than Jesus doesn't work right so he is our truth true so Jesus is <clears throat> is warning us in the scripture that we just read that when false teaching revelation or false prophecy comes to you that we should disregard it. But how do we know? Well, we know by being full of the truth, and then the untruth shows up. I'm sure you've heard this little uh, illustration before. When you, if you go to work for a bank, and a bank is going to teach you about counterfeit money, they don't show you lots of counterfeit money. Now, here's a counterfeit $20 bill. Here's another one. So they have you major on learning what the true one looks like and then when a false one comes across your path, click, it just clicks like that. It's a better way to teach people how to recognize what's true and what's counterfeit. So that works spiritually. Get filled with God's words on the inside of it. Allow God's truth to be what you rest your whole life on. So Jesus is warning us that false teaching, false truth, uh, we can examine it and should examine it and investigate it, but if we're searching for truth, you'll find that God's truth will immediately identify a counterfeit. So, next thought. A true thought, a true teacher, is, <clears throat> is one who is, has a message. A true prophet is one who has a message and is sent by God. Okay, a false prophet may claim to be sent by God with a message, but he's not. It's another easy way to understand true and false. God's word brings light where there has been darkness, for light is necessary for the growth of life. You need truth in your life. Now, we live in, and we're going to talk as I go on here, going to live in a culture that's full of untruth disguising itself as the truth. Right, And when we have authority figures that are speaking untruth, it makes it very difficult to separate truth from untruth because we have a tendency to want to believe leadership of some kind somewhere. Amen? Okay, so God's word brings light because darkness does not bring light. So we need light. Jesus is the light, and further he said, you are the light. So the light is Christ, the light is in us. Lying does not promote growth. False teaching, false prophecy, false doctrine does not produce growth, peace, and order. Satan seeks to distort or put out the light. Now these are simple statements, but get them all together in your mind. The devil seeks to put out the light in your life. And false teaching or false prophecy can be cunning, deceitful, tricky, scheming, calculated. 
John 8:44, Jesus said the devil or Satan was a mass murderer from the beginning, a liar from the beginning. He's a false accuser. He's perverted. He's the father of lies and contradicts his own words. When darkness is in control of my mind or my heart or my ways or my culture, the atmosphere that I live in becomes confusing, unclear. There's a lack of peace. Truth is criticized. Right is called wrong. Wrong is called right. Justice diminishes. And hope is hard to come by. That sound like anything you've ever experienced? Sound like something that we might be experiencing some of now. Lying further, if darkness is in control of a culture, lying is acceptable. False accusations are frequent. Lack of leadership is commonplace, but there's still plenty of lust for power and for authority. Now, that's not just how some things are now. That's the way it always has been between the warfare between light and dark, between truth and untruth. It has been fighting from the Garden of Eden uh, at one level or another. So that's the way it's been in the individual, in the nation, or even in the church. There's a warfare that's going on. And... The darkness would have you flee from the light, and the light would have you flee from the darkness. And so we are tempted with compromise of darkness. If any nation or church or individual following darkness, the further you follow it and the further you run from God, the more you lose your identity of who you are, of who you were meant to be. And therefore, the further we go from truth and we forget and don't recognize who we are, beware because the devil is there to fill in the blanks for us. Okay? Now that works in our culture. If we flee from where we used to be at a, maybe a more sound time in our culture, or you or I as an individual, or the church, the further we run from God, the more the devil has opportunity to replace that light that we now don't care for with darkness. Trees, now it's interesting how Jesus uses trees, good trees and bad trees. Isn't that interesting? Because in the garden there were two trees. And uh, we're told not to eat of one. One particular, the knowledge of good and evil. Trees that come, <clears throat> that once bloomed, now listen to this, trees that once bloomed and bore good fruit, when darkness comes, gradually produce less fruit, rotten fruit, and ultimately no fruit at all, and not even a leaf, when darkness is exalted above light. It's too bad that some of the most talented and skillful false teachers and prophets were once enlightened people themselves. That's something to be aware of. They were previously enlightened. That's why some darkness, some falseness in teaching or whatever, that's why some of it is so believable because it comes from previously enlightened people who have made a decision to be a bad tree and not a good tree. Okay? Now, the way you stay strong is to be embracing truth. Victims of untruth are those who are weak in truth. Okay? That means we need to have a curious mind, and that means to have, that means to we we may, we need to fill our minds and hearts with the Word of God, and the ways of God. Treating lies as though they are truths increase spiritual deafness and blindness. Now think about this on a national scale and on a people scale, on an individual scale. So when God speaks and reveals truth, either new one, new truth to you. Now, truth has always been out there. 
when I say, I've discovered a new truth. I haven't really discovered a new truth. I just learned something that's already been there that I didn't know. So truth, new truth, is okay to use, but you've got to recognize it's always been there. You just now awoken to it, right? So when God speaks and reveals truth, either new ones to us or ones we have <coughs> we have known but preferred untruth, then what is it like? In other words, what is receiving truth like? When I say to you there is one God, and that's all there ever was, one God. He reigns from heaven. Now, if you had never heard that before, that's going to challenge a bunch of stuff on the inside of you, all right? And no matter how long you have been a Christian believer, truth still comes along every once in a while and pokes you. Amen? Okay, so I want to look up a particular verse here and give you a couple of answers from Scripture about what I, how I believe truth works. It's from Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the first chapter. You didn't have that on the... Okay, I don't think... Okay. <clears throat> Jeremiah received a call as a prophet. as a young man. God is running him through pro, uh, prophet school 101 in the first chapter so he can learn some things about what's gonna, what it's going to be like to be a prophet of God. And not only was Jeremiah a prophet to Israel... God told him he was a prophet to the nations. That means he had worldwide, he's going to have worldwide coverage sooner or later. It's still going on a couple of thousand years after he's gone. And his, his word fits us like a glove if you read it. So one of the characteristics that God is telling Jeremiah that he's going to have as his prophet, God says, I, uh, Jeremiah 1, about the last half of 9 into verse 10. I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appointed you over the nations and kingdoms. Now listen to this. To uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to, dis to overthrow, and to build and to plant. And it was so for the next 40 years <laughs> for, Jer for Jeremiah's life. Okay, now think of that. He's, God is describing the nature of this prophetic gift that Jeremiah has. Here's what your word will be like, Jeremiah. Will you be like some guy that comes around and says, Hey, are you happy today? Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you another word to make you even happier. Okay? Now there's a time for that, but there's a time for truth as well. <laughs> and sometimes the truth, when it hits you, comes across the very negative. Yeah, it hurts. The truth can hurt. So, let's look at uh, what he uh, describes here. These ca characteristics of truth, and that is that it will uproot, tear down, and destroy. And then it will plant and build up. So truth does is very much alive. Truth is so powerful that it works whether you believe it's true or not. Okay? Now, I look at that and I meditate on that. Hmm, the truth comes to uproot, tear down, and destroy. That doesn't sound very happy to me. That doesn't sound real good. You know, I had a uh, dentist appointment last Monday. And uh, I had an extraction of a very old love beloved molar no, way back here it served me for many years but it was causing repeated infections I would take antibiotics get over it a couple of days later it'd be back again and so the only cure for that is get rid of it alright so you got the tooth back there so my dentist is drilling away getting ready to you know Pull the tooth. And uh, like I heard a, like I heard a comedian uh, like I heard a comedian say one time, when the when the dentist is drilling on you and all of a sudden he says, Uh oh. That's not good news. So he went over to his tool cabinet, pulled a drawer out, and emptied it into my mouth. Not really. 
But he says, hmm, I found out something that the x-ray didn't show up. Okay. Now, you've seen pictures of teeth or teeth that, you know, there's a solid part that's got roots like this. Okay. He says, your tooth has three roots. One of them goes down, and another one goes this way, and another one goes this way. Isn't it great to be special? <laughs> so anyway, what that means is he's going to have to just drill and break each one of these over a wider spirit and hunt for them and dig them out. So for the next 45 minutes or so, I was praising the Lord for anesthetic. <laughs> but it's gone. It was, a, it was uprooted. It was torn down. Now, it's, now things are being built up. Praise the Lord. There's a negative side and a positive side. <laughs> but, yeah. They <laughs> get the bill. Right. So, God used something like that, I guess, to describe what truth does. It tears down. Do you realize that some of the stuff that we have been brought up to believe or rely on is so deep in our hearts and our minds that it's like God has to get in there with an extractor and like that. And sometimes it just downright hurts. Amen. But the good news is now God has a fresh field to plant his seed in. And he will. But think about now that time period between the time when he starts digging until the time when he's ready to plant. Now think of this. I, I call this a space of grace. All right? God is showing you where you have erred. God is showing you as an individual. God is showing you as a nation. God is showing us as, <clears throat> as a church where we may have strayed. What's most important to us? What maybe are we worshiping instead of God on the inside without even really realizing we're doing it, but God sees, yeah. right? But then there's, there's a time when God is digging deep. He's digging after the dark places because when the dark is exposed, it's exposed to the light. Light always kills darkness. Did you ever walk into a dark room and you turn the switch on and there's this struggle between light and dark? Oh, I want to be in charge. No, I want to be in charge. No. As soon as you hit the switch, it's sad. The darkness is gone, right? That's how much more powerful light is than dark. That's how much more powerful the word of God is than the words of this world or the world led by darkness. So beware. Truth is good for you. But it's also a little dangerous at first. Okay? Nobody like we don't like to be told that we're in sin. We don't like to be told that we thought we were really good lovers and found out that God's that we weren't. God proved it by sending someone our way that was not very lovely. Okay? Anybody have that experience? Okay, so dark places are exposed. And during the time when they are being exposed. That means that two things need to be taking place. One is repentance and the other is rededication. When God shines light on your darkness, what are we supposed to do? Make excuses, right? Tell God he doesn't understand where we want to do what we want to do. I mean, we can do all kinds of crazy reactions to truth. But... There's not going to be a building and a planting until the roots of the old are pulled out. Now, that applies to every one of us in probably varying degrees. But understand, it's a system that has worked for many years. Even though there comes destruction and desolate times, God will send, after we repent and rededicate, newness of life. But in repentance and rededication, in other words, I choose now to obey God, not just do what I want to do, not just live in sin. In other words, it's time in this space of grace for asking 
seeking and knocking. Now think about this. Asking, and Dwight did a tremendous job of describing this. Let me <coughs> tell you what comes to mind as I think of asking. Asking is when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on you, you are in disobedience in this area of your life. You are preferring darkness over my light in this area of your life. God just, what he's trying to do, he's trying to grow you up and grow us up. Okay, so in those times, it's time to ask, God, help me in this. You are right. I am choosing to sin. I'm choosing to do wrong. I ask you to change me, to heal me, to help me. So that, that's time asking when you begin to see the light on what you thought might have been light, but really it was darkness disguised as light. Okay? So, asking, God help me. And when you're in a fix like that or the pressure's on, it is much more helpful for you if you will ask, God, what are you saying more than what are you doing? When we ask God what he's doing, a lot of times that comes across as a challenge. God, you know, it's my life. No, it's not. You gave it to him, you know, if you're a Christian believer. So ask God. Ask God for help. Next word, seek. Now, ask, seek, and knock are a progressive process. You start out asking, and then when you have sufficiently asked God to heal you, repented and shown your willingness to rededicate, to change, to, to obey, then you are serious, a little bit more serious. Seeking is a little more serious than asking, okay, in my, my understanding. So when you are seeking, it means you are willing to get into the Word and get truth in the place where the darkness was, all right? So ask God, I need help. Seek Look for it, and it means you are ready and desirous to be filled anew with the Holy Spirit in that area. Now, there's maybe a, a little area of my heart over here, and uh, it's full of unbelief. Now, I'm bearing some fruit some areas over here, but there's this one dark area in my life that I just can't get over. It's resentment or doubt or fear or whatever it is. I just can't get over it, so I just cover it up. God, I'm ready to expose it. I'm ready for you to heal it. And I'm serious. I want to know what your word says about it. So I want to get into this. That's seeking. Okay? So seeking is an activity. Finally, you come to <clears throat> knocking. Now, knocking, to me, refers to faith. Now, how many of you, let me ask you a question. You, you want to go to your friend's house over here. Mr. Jones, I, and you know that Mr. Jones is not home, okay? But you go over there and you begin knocking on his door, knowing full well that he's not there. Would you stay there and just knock all the harder? No. So knocking implies that somebody is there and they're going to answer the door. It's, a, it's faith, you see? I'm not going to be calling on God and saying, but I don't think you're going to do anything about it. I'm not going to call on God for help, but really deep down, he doesn't love me. He doesn't care what I do. Sure he does. That's not fair. That's like knocking on a door of somebody who you know isn't there. You know God's going to answer. You know God has something to say. So <clears throat> you don't knock on the door of somebody who you know in home. Okay? All right. Next thing about prophecy, false prophecy, you can find in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. You don't need to look it up. It gives three things. Strengthen, prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts. It strengthens because hearing the word of the Lord, if it comes from a prophetic utterance of someone, which most of us are familiar with, somebody gives you a prophecy that is from the Lord, you will normally except and feel the strength of it. Wow, that's good. You know, there, I, can, I can read the word and get his strength, but, well, what a, a blessing it is to get singled out and God tells you, I love you. 
I'm, I'm going to help you with this problem. I'm going to answer your prayer. Man, doesn't that feel good when you get that, when you have that? Okay, so strengthening. God gives you strength. And when you feel weak, that, Bible says, is when you're strongest. Okay? I don't have any strength myself. He is my strength. I would much rather have his strength than trust in my strength. How about you? Okay. Encourages. Prophecy can encourage. All right? Prophecy may bring kind of bad news at first, you know, the tearing down process, but understand this, God is doing it so he can build and plant and bless. That's why he's exposing the darkness on the inside. As a nation, as a person, as the church, whatever. God speaks to all. And comforts. Now, one of the other translations translates that word comfort as exhortation or exhorting. The word exhorting in Greek means to call near. Okay, do you ever have you ever been as a kid playing out in the backyard? Mom comes to the back door, dinner's ready. Okay? She's exhorting you to come in the house. She's calling near. So much of the prophecy that we see throughout Old and New Testament is God calling people near. Come back, return to me. You know, you stray, you're you're off the ditch. You're not walking the straight and narrow, you're just going from ditch to ditch. Okay? So exhortation is a part of prophecy. God is calling you to himself. Hey, dinner's ready. Hey, follow me. Hey, you're not listening. <laughs> hey, you think you got it all worked out, but you got it all worked wrong. But I want to help you get it all worked out. But you got to listen to me. All right? That's exhortation. Now, through the centuries, God's people, from Old Testament through New Testament, had problems with false teachers and false prophets. The enemy, the deceiver, the liar, sent those prophets, those bad guy prophets, the ones who bore bad fruit, to disrupt God's people, to counterfeit truth. It was always the challenge on the people of God to discern right from wrong, truth from lie. The word discern, we think of the gift of discerning a spirit. The word discern in Greek <clears throat> means to thoroughly judge through. I hear what you're saying, but I see, I sense beyond what you're just saying in the natural to where you're coming from in the spirit. That's the power of falseness. It, it has the ability to put on a pretty good show that it's right and persuade you. Our challenge is to know truth enough that we pick it up and catch it. Oh, you're not, that's not right. I'm not buying that. Okay? That's discerning. And there's a gift called 1 Corinthians 12, discerning of spirits. That means you can see somebody talks to you, you hear something, you hear a doctrine, you hear a teaching or something, and you know what spirit thereof carries greater weight in your understanding than the words they say. Right? That takes practice. God, I think everybody has that to a certain extent, but we can develop it. Okay? So, just so you know, uh, the church was always charged with the task of discerning is God speaking to us or or, his, or some other spirit speaking to us to pull us away from God. Okay, so church has always had problems. I've always had some counterfeit teachers and prophets. Uh, sometimes the problems came to them uh, in the form of their neighbors, like the Philistines in the Old Testament. Uh, many times the thing that people fell under, so to speak, were bad leadership, bad kings. We find good and bad kings in the Old Testament. And uh, when you have leadership that is weak at the helm, the people suffer. When God is God of the nation, 
and God has, is working through the leadership, such as times of King David, other times, then things went a lot better. Now think about this. The entire New Testament was under Roman domination. The greatest light the world has ever seen came under the Roman domination, Jesus. Now he flourished as the light. The church was raised up during bad times, <laughs> under the times of oppression. Now, most of their own pressure, their own leadership in Jesus' time, most of the, of the leadership were, you might say, sick trees offering rotten fruit for people to eat. Okay? That's why the light shines so brightly, because the people were in darkness and hungry for the light. In the first century, after the church came, up through about the 4th century, there was all kinds of false doctrine that began to gather around the truth. There was a, a major false doctrine for several hundred years called Gnosticism, which we won't go into because of the length of it. But it was like a, a vine wrapping around, <laughs> or a weed, big poison weed or something, wrapping around the church trying to choke it out. It took several centuries for the church to get it down and properly combat that so that it just about disappeared long about the 4th century. Now, that's a picture, you know, there. If we are the vine and the weeds begin to grow and choke us out, then we won't bear good fruit. We won't bear good grapes. So that's why what I'm talking about here is very, very important for us to recognize. So uh, throughout the Middle Ages, there was corruption of power, but there are also prophetic voices that were raised up and sent to the people and wrought many good changes. During a bad time, during a dark time, is a time when we can introspect as a nation, as people, as the church, and find out possibly some of the doors where we let the darkness in. It works in, you know, if we sow, whatever you sow, you'll reap. If you sow bad stuff into your brain and your mind and so on, you're going to reap something bad sooner or later at some level. God promises sowing and reaping right after Noah came out of the ark. As long as time goes on, sowing and reaping is here to stay. It's, I think, Genesis 8.22. That and a few other things. Okay, so now there's too many details here to, in, to insert. But God brings about the Holy Spirit in various movements through the centuries. And the people who seem to suffer the most are the people who are the weakest in truth. Okay? Understand the ways of God. You know, time we're in, I think, nationally, you know, there are a lot of people who don't understand anything. You know, all they are experiencing is bad stuff and darkness and suffering from it. Well, they're to be mercifully ministered to if we, if we can. However, we're the people of God. We know how truth works. We know that we need to get our act together, and it will certainly plant some good seeds in the nation. So that's why we need to have, this needs to be a wake-up call, what we're experiencing right now, and how the church is going to react to the lies, to weak government, to so many things that we're experiencing right now. We need to be repentant. Just talked about that a minute ago. We need to be a repenting church, seeking the Lord for where's the darkness in us? Where have we been unfaithful? Where have we been off the beaten path, off the narrow, straight and narrow? So <clears throat> also praying praying for the leadership of our country. And, you know, they sure need it, <laughs> just to put it mildly. To pray for those who have authority over us, to pray for church leaders so that they hear the voice of the Lord. Repent of, we need to pray for areas that, areas that call itself churches, that they would repent and preach the word of God and the gospel. 
pray and know what the body of Christ is saying to us on a national level. What's God saying to us? We'd go around a room, we'd have probably a lot of... If you don't think, here's a list, a very small list of things uh, that are attacking the dark things right now. Some of them, many of them spiritual. Uh, we need to be praying. Anything you read or come in contact with, it's called the publication, what's called the Jesus Seminar. This is the, uh, this is spiritual junk. It's very, very deceptive and very clever. Many of the shows you see on TV that may have to do with a biblical thing, and then they switch away from talking about something in the Bible to, let's see what Dr. So-and-so says, and Dr. So-and-so is a member of the Jesus Seminar. And you may kind of have to know a little bit about what it is to know that, that that's a trick. It's a trick. Can you discern it? Okay, good question. Okay, so uh, Wicca, popular. It's uh, maybe a nicer word than witchcraft, but uh, flee that like the plague. Don't have anything to do with that. Uh, Islam, I was surprised many years ago when the 9-11 came out that there were so many Christians that believed that the God of the Bible and Allah were the same one, same person. It's just that some people called him a different name. Not so. Not so. Big difference. Uh, paganism of all sorts. Various Native American spirituality. I had a Bible study with a group of Native Americans one time. Spent some time with them. Uh, there's one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. Scientology. Necromancy. Necromancy is talking to the dead. Uh, you've seen they don't have the show on TV anymore. Uh, several years back, this guy that uh, was supposedly a prophet they had the audience out here, and he oh, I hear your grandmother is talking to you, and, and she says this, and then and then you're going to marry your next-door neighbor, and then uh, on and on and so on. And, and he's all this junk, and it, it's all based on communication with the dead. All right? That's very, very plain in Scripture. You know, don't do that. Astrology. Astrology is not the same as astronomy. Right. Astrology, the stars do not control your destiny. God controls your destiny. Okay, it's a good Spiritualism, Satanism, occult, Ouija board, fortune telling, and these things. Various uh, groups from Mormonism to Jehovah's Witness. It's okay to search and research when something new comes to you. It's good to be a researcher. It's good to have a bit of healthy sense of curiosity. But use the scripture as your source of truth, and you'll probably never go wrong. Uh, let's see. Here's this thing I wrote down. If you really want to know what Jesus would do, seek the Bible. Don't just buy the bracelet. Okay, now here's a, in, cl in closing, some of, you, yeah, some of you may not remember the little, what would Jesus do, you know, and everybody was wondering, what would Jesus do, you know, and that was a good question, you know, it had kind of a little evangelistic twist to it, but uh, I saw people that, <laughs> they were way far from Christianity, you know, that were wearing dress, so anyway, it just got, it, it too will pass, it did. Okay, I don't know uh, what you may be feeling like the Lord is saying about our, our nation right now, about the struggles that we're going through, about the government the way that it is, that they're saying that displease you. Uh, I don't know, <clears throat> but uh, here's some things that I jotted down this morning early that I think the Lord is saying to us. Our and this is uh, kind of like a thus saith the Lord. Our nation is at war. Darkness wants your spiritual life, your future, your children. They, too, understand that when you get them when they're young, you can keep them for a lifetime. The darkness confronting you wants to break down the family structure. Confuse gender identity. Exchange, exchange age-old established truths for lies. Calling right wrong and wrong right which perverts justice, which undoes personal rights. 
and teaches you that darkness is light and light is really darkness. It demands that the state be revered and treated as God rather than the one true God. We need to be filled with God's truth for darkness is knocking at our door. Reject it. The best way to fight darkness is to spread the light you have. Switch the light on. In the, dark, <coughs> in the darkness ruled areas of first your heart and mind. Let the living truth guard you, your house, and your future. Declare it today. Light will always overcome darkness when it is applied. This is your fight, remember, as well as mine. And that's as though this is the Lord talking. Find your assignment and use the armor and the gifts that I have supplied you with and know your leaders. Whether God has given you a floodlight or just a flashlight or maybe just one little candle so far, spread it and watch it grow. I read a end of story there. I read a publication put out that uh, what called my attention to a dare to by Charles Simpson. I don't know if any of you, many of you know him, a particular minister that we have had uh, interest in and, and uh, enjoyed for many years. And he writes a monthly newsletter. And one of the things that he wrote for July was, contrasted the difference between Jesus as the Lamb of God and Jesus as the Lion of Judah. Doesn't seem much similarity between a lamb and a lion. There's nothing more innocent looking than a little lamb. And that, that was used, that's used in scripture to, do, to describe the mercy and the, and the innocence of Christ and that he gave himself to be the sacrifice. He's not just, he's the lamb, of, the lamb of God, he's the lamb that God chose to be the perfect sacrifice. But then also he's, he's referred to as the lion of God, the lion of Judah. Okay, big difference between lions and lambs. <laughs> it's hard to think of how could one be so gentle and so Vicious, <laughs> if needed to be, all right? Okay. One of these days, the church is going to have to decide whether we are representing the lamb or the lion because the lamb and the lion both are in the, on the inside of us. You ever think about that? The God who we think of as merciful is also has severity. God hates sin. God hates darkness. God hates darkness that tries to steal his people from him. God hates the darkness that wants to destroy your family unit. God hates the darkness that wants to confuse you about who you really are. All right? Now, if the lamb can take care of that, that's fine. But if the, lamb, the lamb's not quite enough, God puts on his lion suit. Okay? When is it going to be time for the church to speak out against some of the things that we just talked about right here? Darkness is knocking at our door. When will we have something to say about it? Remember, the church always had struggles with this through the years. Secular, spiritual, it was trouble. Peter stood before the Sanhedrin, which had demanded that he quit preaching the name of Jesus and said, you decide whether we obey you or God. Right? I don't long for days like that to come, but I know that within me and within us is the lion of Judah that knows how to fight back, that knows how to speak. Now, what we need to recognize is that we have the Spirit of God within us to speak righteousness, to reveal darkness where it is in many different levels and many different ways. But at the same time, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. 
We can't just go out and try to correct society just because we're mad or just because I think I'm smarter than everybody else and I know what's right, so I'm going to tell them. All right? If you want to be the church of God that manifests the lion of the Lord, you've got to hear the Holy Spirit saying, now's the time. That's why I believe in that prophetic word that Jesus encouraged us to know your gift, practice your spiritual gifts, practice putting on the whole armor of God so that if and when it were to be time to go to war at some level, you'd know what you're doing and you know that God has led us this way. Okay? There was times when King David would go out to the enemies of God and he'd pray, you know, do I go this way or this way? God would tell do this. Right? So one of the things we need to pray for, one of the things we need to be a part of, is a growing sense of we are not only the light of the world, as Jesus said, we're also the army of God. Now, the weapons of our warfare are carnal. You know, we don't secretly have any bazookas, you know, and, you know, M1, X1, M60 tanks in the back here. Uh, we don't have those. We have the Word of God. And we have the leading of the Holy Spirit. And those are the things that we learn to walk in daily so that if and when such a time would come that we could bravely say it's better that we obey God rather than men. It's happened before many times. Not so much in this country, praise the Lord. But it happened worldwide. This is one of the ways that God grows his church is he knocks on our door and we need to be home and answer Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.